Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Thanks, Billy. You can be seated. Great to see you. So good to see you all. Grab a seat. Yes, that's what you do when you get over 50, you ride a bike in the Simpson Desert. Why? Because the Simpson Desert is there. No other reason, but it's a great cause raising money for Global Care, who uh, is part of our network of churches, if you didn't know that. It's great to be with you. It's great to be meeting some new people this morning that have joined recently to Elevation Hills. Uh, I think it's been two years since Kathy and myself have been here. Uh, we've kind of just forgotten last year. And, um, uh, it, you know, it's so great to be able to experience today with you. Pastors Miles, Miles and Bonnie are in Melbourne. This morning they're speaking at Elevation Hills, uh, <laughs> Melbourne West, down there this morning. And so it's a great joy for uh, myself to be here. Uh, Kathy sends her love. We're, we've just sold our home of 10 years uh, and uh, are moving this week. That's why I am here. And she is up there carrying the responsibility of doing all that. Not really, but uh, it's, it's quite exciting for us. It's a season, actually, it, it's, it's a downsizing season, which, which, you know, we've been culling of late, going through wardrobes and I go through hers and cull everything uh, she doesn't need anymore. And um, getting rid of furniture. I even got rid of my boat. I've had a boat, a 4.2 metre boat that I don't use a lot. And it's part of this, this whole sense of, of, of getting rid of the stuff that is excess in our life and donating it or giving it away. And it kind of ties into what I wanted to share this morning because it's interesting times that we are living in. You know, um, uh, the movie Titanic was the highest grossing movie of all time, $1.84 billion it grossed. And for those of you that have seen it, you would know this picture of Jack and Rose on the front of the boat. We've all tried to emulate that somehow on a, you know, crossing to Morton Island. You jump on the little ferry and grab your wife out the front. But every woman I know would, would, you know, love a moment like that with Celine Dion playing in the background and everything is perfect. But for anyone that's under the age of 40, you may not know this, but the Titanic was actually a real boat. Just making sure, okay? Because uh, I know there are some, some teenagers in Gold Coast that went, really? They did, lit, honestly, did not know. So this is the Titanic, and in 1912, it sunk. It, uh, 1,500 people lost their life. And if you've read anything about the Titanic, you would understand that there were tiered living on the boat. There were those that, according to your status, if you weren't uh, or had no wealth at all, you were down the bottom tier, which was under the waterline. There was the middle class, you were in the middle of the boat, and then the upper class got the breeze, the fresh air. They were on the top part of the boat. Now, here's the thing. In 1912, when the uh, uh, Titanic hit an iceberg, it was the people on the lower part of the boat that knew that they were in trouble first. And if you've seen the movie, read the books, the, as the water rose, they were trying to make their way up. They were boarded from ever making their way up. And many of those people that perished were the people on the lower decks of the boat. Now, here's the metaphor here. And I think COVID has, has, has uh, unpacked this and kind of revealed this in all of us. What is happening on the lower decks of your life sooner or later will make its way to the upper decks of your life. 
And no matter how well we present on the upper decks, no matter how well we dress, no matter how well we conduct ourselves on the upper deck of life, sooner or later, what is happening down below the water surface will make its way up to the upper part of the boat. And I think if anything, this last year has revealed to us is that there has been a lot of stuff that has been lurking down below that probably Jesus has been trying to work on for some time, but for whatever reason, hasn't had the ability to access that part of our life. And suddenly you are thrust into living at home with your spouse, with your children, with yourself in isolation for a period of time. You're disconnected from community, from from gathering together. You can't play sport for a while. And I am amazed in my life what began to come to the top of my life in other people's lives. I've been amazed at some of the people that now uh, uh, church doors have been opened again, people that don't want to be engaged in any form of fellowship or uh, don't want to follow in their faith in any way. The people that I've had to deal with that have split in marriages and relationships, families that have imploded. But it all goes back to this metaphor that what has been lurking down below for probably a long, long time will make its way to the top of our life. And if you were to plot the trajectory of your life currently for five years, six years, seven years, who are you becoming? Are you becoming more like Jesus, the Jesus that we subscribe to, the Jesus that we want to or hopefully want to become like? Or are you becoming more like your career, more like the city you live in, more like the relationship you're in? Because the whole goal of why we are here this morning is for us to be truly shaped into the image of Jesus. That is what this whole journey of following Christ should be about. But unfortunately for a lot of us, and I think again this last year has revealed it, that not everyone saw it that way. There's an author and cartoonist who was an American. Uh, He's passed away now. His name was James Thurber. He said this, All people should thrive to learn before they die what they are running from and to and why. Our primary goal is to help us to become followers of Jesus, not just church members. And the goal of Elevation Hills, as it should be for every church, that I think again in this time and day has revealed to us that our goal is to help you and I become followers of Christ. You see, here's the deal. Most of us don't stay in one church for our whole lifetime, especially today. People are transient. And your career, your studies, as uh, Anna said, I'm currently doing a double diploma in mental health and drug and alcohol. And, but your studies, your career, your, your travels will take you all over the world. You probably will not stay in this church community your whole life. You will be at some time, you will uproot, you will move somewhere. Your job will take you away, your sporting career, whatever it may be, And our goal here at Hills is that no matter where you are, that you should be a blessing to the community that you join yourself to. There is nothing more disheartening when people go from church to church, but all they ever do is transfer our our, uh, our churchiness, not our followership of Christ. We transfer our churchiness from church to church. 
And very quickly, we start finding wrong in the community faith we've just joined that we found wrong in the last community of faith we were a part of that caused us to leave it. We see it everywhere else. That is because we become church members, not followers of Christ. And so whilst here, and Anna shared a few and she'll share a few at the end of this service, there are opportunities for you and I to be shaped and discipled, not just into the culture of this family of faith, but into the culture of becoming a follower of Christ. That should be our primary goal. John chapter 1, there's a question that Jesus asks the disciples of John. I want to give you a little bit of context here because I, I find it really, really challenging for me as a pastor to read this and not get a little bit of my humanity in here because John the Baptist was the go-to guy. He was, the, he was the, the gun. He was the one that everyone was going to hear and see. He had momentum in his ministry, but his ministry was about promoting that Jesus, the Messiah, was on his way. And one day John's out with his disciples and this is what happens in John chapter 1, verse 35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Now, little pause right there. I don't know how you would feel if, if you had invested Time, energy, money, coffees, lunches, dinners into people that you were throwing your energy into. Maybe it's to be future employers, employees of your business and you're taking, you're mentoring them and things are going on and you're speaking into their life. You've been there when their marriage melts down. You've stood for their children. You've been by their side. And one day John's got these guys with him and points out, hey, see that guy going there? That's Jesus. He's the one I've been telling you about. He is amazing. And at that, the two people that John had done life with get up and follow Jesus. A little bit of honesty right here as a pastor. Let me tell you, I'd be going to those two disciples saying, pay me back for every coffee I've ever bought you, all the time I threw into you. At that, they just uproot and they follow Jesus. And this is what Jesus does. Verse 38, Jesus looked around and saw them following. And I want you to see this, four words that we're gonna wrestle with this morning. What do you want? He asked them. What do you want? I think this question is probably the question that is buried under every challenge, every issue, every other question we have in life. And especially when it comes to us in a faith community, what do you want? I think it should be in every new members class, week one. What do you want? What are you expecting by being part of this family? What are you expecting by following Christ? What is it you want? You'll notice that Jesus didn't ask the disciples of John, what do you believe? Because we live in a, in a culture where information is currency right now, where through COVID people YouTubed everything, they podcasted every form of teaching from you know, every extremity in life and to, to absorb knowledge. But if you know anything about the following Christ, it's not about information, it's about formation. And Jesus doesn't say, well, what do you know? He doesn't ask them, what do you believe? He says, what do you want? 
What is it that's driving you to leave John and follow me? What do you think I'm going to do for you that you can't find with John? What is it you want? I think every disgruntled man and woman in a marriage should stop and ask himself this morning, what do I want? Everyone that's frustrated in their career, what do you want? Every person that leaves a Sunday service picking apart at the seams, what didn't work and what did work at church, what do you want? What is it you are looking for? Because unless you answer that question and know the answer to it, you're probably going to bounce through life like a pinball machine, disappointed because nothing fulfills and nothing answers the question that you yourself do not have an answer to. And so Jesus turns to the disciples and says, what do you want? What is it that you think following me is going to do for you? This question, what do you want? It is soul piercing. Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity. They're the wellspring from which our actions and behaviour flow. Our wants reverberate from our heart, the epicentre of the human person. So what do you want? Doesn't mean you should give up your job and become a pastor. Please don't do that. You wouldn't want to do that, most of you anyway. Doesn't mean you've got to go to a mission field somewhere. But let me ask you as a property developer, let me ask you as a CEO, let me ask you as a startup, let me ask you as a stay-at-home mum, stay-at-home dad, what do you want? What is it that you are looking for? And when we answer that, when we wrestle with that, and it may not be as difficult as some of us probably think, you probably don't need to go to an Anthony Robbins seminar to find out. But when we come to a point of wrestling with this question, what do I want? It could create a revolution in your life. And any change in a life that has been the way it has been for 10, 20, 30 years, there's nothing short of a revolution. And I believe right now that God is wanting to create revolutions in people's lives because we have been stuck. The church around Australia and the world has been stuck in a rut of doing what it has always done, hoping to get a different uh, um, outcome, but finding it's been the same thing happening, repeating ourselves. So let's dial back to the words of Jesus. What is it you want? What is it that you feel is stirring on the inside of you? And the great news this morning is, is that God is committed to our transformation. He doesn't want us to stay the same, that He is committed to it. He's not in the business of simply improving our lives. He wants to infuse His life with ours. In his book, I Am A Follower, Leonard Sweet said this, Jesus said, go and make disciples. We stopped and built worship warehouses. Jesus said, follow me. We heard, become a great leader. Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. We've done the work of a marketer. I wanna read to you from Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. It's an ancient book of wisdom written by King of Israel, Solomon. He said this, above all else, So above everything else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So 
What Solomon is saying to us this morning is that everything we do comes out of our heart. You parent out of your heart. You love out of your heart. You work your career out of your heart. You communicate with out of our heart. So everything, our heart is the centre of who we are. So discipleship, following Jesus, is a way to curate our heart. That God is after our heart. He wants us to be attentive and intentional about what we love. Discipleship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than it is of knowing and believing. Which is why Jesus said, what do you want? What is it you're pursuing in your life? It is the fundamental question of all discipleship because you are what you love. Your life will always lean in the direction of what you love most. And behind this is the uncomfortable realisation, you may not love what you think. If I was to ask each and every one of us, you know, what is it you love? We know how to answer. And I think we're trying to be genuine. We're trying to be authentic. But I'm not sure, I'm not confident that our love actually aligns with our innermost longings. I think we make an intellectual conviction. Well, this is what I should say. If a pastor asked me what I love, I should say, I love Jesus. I love world peace. I mean, we know what we should say. I love my children. Most of the time, I love my wife, my husband. We know what we should say. But is it, if we could peel back the layers, is it really, does it really align with our innermost being, with the heart of what Solomon spoke about? Because the deepest desire that you and I have is the one that is manifested by our daily life and habits. So what we are doing today, how we live our life is the only reflection of where our love lies, which is why Jesus said, wherever your heart, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be there because your treasure, the way you spend your money is an indicator of where your heart really is. A lot of people say, well, I'm just all about want to build the kingdom. But when it comes to our money, we withhold. That tells me you may say you just want to build the kingdom, but your heart and your daily habits actually tell us where you're at. And I think if anything has become clearer to me post-COVID, if there is such a, a statement, is that Jesus is looking at His church saying, I want to separate this intellectual conviction and I want to get down to deep heart-seated conviction of a people that know what it is to actually follow me and be filled in the joy of knowing me. So the question this morning is not, are you being discipled? But by what are you being discipled? What is shaping my life Currently, what is it that my heart is actually leaning toward? Because I've been around long enough to see, you know, so many young people, and I'll just choose young people right now that, that you know, they will say, I, I just want Jesus, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and, and, and I think they mean it. But, you know, then they're worshipping one day, they've got their arms raised, they look across the room and they see that young guy, that young girl, that they've got their arms raised and then suddenly there's this connection and before long there's this relationship which is all really cool, it's wonderful to see. But oftentimes you see that couple slowly start withdrawing and isolating themselves and then slip out the back door because here's the deal, what we intellectually say we wanted wasn't really where our heart was aligned. 
I've seen business people that had nothing say, all I wanna do is make money and invest it into the Kingdom of God. And then when they are making money, they slip out the back door, upgrade their lifestyle and never ever become a generous person. Because our heart, our life, our habits actually inform us and others what's really in our heart. Because we move in the direction of what we love. In the book of Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus is again surrounded by the masses. Says this in verse 34, Then He called the crowd to Him along with His disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You know, in Scripture, there's only ever been two categories. There's been the crowd and there's been the disciples. But over the years, we've created this third category called Christian. When you look through Scripture, the name Christian has only been used once or twice in the whole Bible. Now, I'm not dishing on the name Christian. I lived in America where we, we pastored a church for three years where everyone's a Christian, even the family pet, Christian. Everyone is a Christian. And it makes it really difficult because when you read Scripture, there were followers who, there were, there were, there, there were the disciples, the followers of Jesus, and then there was the crowd. And Jesus was calling people to leave the crowd and become a follower, a fully devoted follower, a disciple of Christ. And so there were these two groups, but then we had this grey area of Christian. And one of the struggles today is, is that a lot of people no longer wanna be part of a family of faith because of this grey area Christian that has turned people off. It's actually kind of left a bad taste in people's mouth. You ask people, what do you think of when you hear the word Christian? And they think of protesters or people that are anti this and anti that. They don't actually think of Christianity as people who are so committed to a walk with Jesus that our life is, is and our following Christ is helping us be a more loving dad, a more loving husband, a more loving wife, a grandfather that's more involved and engaged in his kid's life and inspiration at work and not this, this uh, uh, um, you know, mixture of, of a lack of integrity and no integrity and and you know, foul jokes and, you know, and we got this grey area. And yet Jesus said, hey, to the crowd, if you want to follow me, it's gonna take some choices. It's gonna take some giving up of the things that are in your heart. It's gonna take a change of behaviour in your daily habits to really become a follower of me. The word disciple or follower is used almost 300 times in the New Testament. It is the dominant language of the Bible. And I believe post-COVID that God is calling people who are in the crowd of Christianity out into a relationship of discipleship, of following Christ. And it's a messy, it's a muddy, it's a dirty journey of allowing what is lurking on the lower decks of our life to be dealt with. I have been on this journey myself over the last 18 months. And it aches me when I sit with people my age who rather than go through 
the hard work of discipleship would rather think, you know what, just leaving and going to another church will resolve this. Or leaving this marriage, getting another marriage will resolve it. It won't resolve it. Wherever you are, there you are. And God is calling us out of the crowd to say, don't just sit in the peripherals. Don't just be another grey Christian who's going through the motions. Wrestle with the question, what is it I want? And allow the deep work, allow Jesus to deeply form us and not just stay shallowly shaped. Allow His goodness and grace to reach deep into our soul and to challenge some of the thinking and some of the unhealthy emotions and some of the responses that we have with people where we're rude, we're abrupt. Allow the work of becoming a follower of Christ take place. So let me ask you this morning, what is it you want? What is it you're looking for? Why are you a part of this faith community? Well, they've got good music. That's great. They've got great coffee when the machine's working. That's great. Had to slip that one in there. That would never happen on the Gold Coast, let me tell you. We'd tell Miles that one. Because you know what? If that's the limit of where we're at, the kids' program's awesome, fantastic. But if that's the limit where we're at, you're only setting yourself up for disappointment sooner or later. And what do you do then? Well, you know what? We'll just pack the kids up. We'll go down to another church. And it's not teaching our kids how to be a disciple. It's not teaching our kids, you know what? When things get tough, you just dig deep. I was with a family in our church and I'm a little bit personal with you just recently that have been with us a long time that have chosen this time just to uproot and to move to another church. And they're telling us over dinner, why people when they leave the church feel they have to take you out for dinner. I'm not quite sure. Makes a very long night. And... Um, and, and they're, they're telling me and they're saying, you know, you guys sat with us. This is what they're saying to Kathy and I. You guys sat with us when our business went bust and you prayed with us and we're so thankful. And then when our marriage fell apart, you guys were there. First phone call, you were over. You prayed with us. You counselled us. Thank you so much. Oh, but now that our son needs something that the church doesn't offer, we're moving. And, you know, as a pastor, you sit there and go, okay, this is, I'm, I'm preaching discipleship. How would Jesus respond? He certainly wouldn't get out, well, I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> grace and your truth and, okay, that's, love you guys, doors always open and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I look at it and go, you know, it's, it's, I'm not quite sure what has transpired in a lot of people's thinking, but I see this, this ease we, we have when stuff gets a little bit rough just to move. And I wonder how much of the journey of becoming like Christ we miss out on. I look at, you know, one of the dysfunctions, this is my therapy right now. One of the dysfunctions in my life is I'm an over-performer. Uh, so you always want to go the extra mile. And what I, what I have done in the past is I'll step in to try and save people pain by doing stuff for them. You know, I've done it with my kids. Um, and I've seen with some of the staff members, I see that they get themselves in a pickle, maybe financially. So Ross and Kathy will step in. Oh, look, we'll, we'll, here's some money for some clothing or here's some money for your kids' tuition and blah, blah, which is beautiful. But at the same time, I go, hang on a minute. I think Jesus is trying to do something in your life right here. Me jumping in as Saviour isn't going to help. So 
enjoy the pain of discipleship. <laughs> but the truth is, most people won't. They'll walk. So what do we do as pastors? I'll step in and cover it because I don't want them to walk. But in actual fact, we're doing a disservice. My best times of growth have come through my most painful times. Cultural architect Winnie the Pooh said this over a coffee one day that I had with him. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. You know, you are what you love because you live toward what you want. And that's why the question of Jesus in John chapter 1 is so confronting. What do you want? What is it you're looking for in this journey of becoming a follower of Christ? And if we would be prepared to wrestle with that over the next weeks, months, days of our life, let me tell you, discovering that through everything, I want to be a follower of Christ. I have the privilege of running a denomination, but that's not who I am. I want to be a follower of Jesus first and foremost. I have the privilege of being a pastor, but that's not who I am. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a granddad of three beautiful little kids. I'm a husband first. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's who you are. That's the life God has called us to. So let me ask you this morning, what do you want? And what are you prepared to let God do to get you there? You know, this morning, I want to make an opportunity. Maybe for anyone today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or maybe you have, but you are one of those people that met a really mean Christian or a, you went to a church that just kind of didn't, live out what the Bible, what you would think the Bible teaches about followers of Jesus. And I'm sorry for that. I think we're all guilty of ever doing that. But you've got an opportunity today to make things right with God. And the truth is, God wants the best for your life. He may not take you on the easiest path, but He wants the best outcome for your life. And I don't know one person who has done the journey with Jesus as a follower of Jesus that would ever look back on their life of pain and go, oh, I, I would have changed all that. That was God has used everything in our life to bring about good. And God has that for you today. He wants a relationship. He is so committed in His love that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for you. That's how committed He is to you and I. And so tonight, to this morning, I just want to simply pray. I want to make an opportunity and it's a really simple prayer that you can pray either out loud or in your heart. doesn't really matter. The words aren't magical. It's a heart posture. It's your chance to say, I want this thing worked on. And only God can transform this. Cosmetics can transform everything else, but only God can change that. And that's what humanity needs today. So I'd love you all just to close your eyes for a moment. And I'm going to say these simple words and I'd love you to repeat them either out loud or in your own heart saying this, Jesus today, help me. I give you my life. I want to follow you.
you know, just while eyes are closed. If you prayed that for the first time, or maybe you've prayed it before, but today it's something that you actually really meant it. You want today to be a new start, a new beginning. While eyes are closed, I'd love you just to slip your hand up in the air just quickly and just show me your hand because I want to know who we prayed with this morning. It is so important that we understand that people have made that decision. Thank you so much for that. You can put it down. Who else is there this morning? You say, you know what, that was me. I prayed that prayer this morning. I need to get things right with God. I'm tired of being in the crowd. I'm tired of just being in the class of Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Awesome. Can we stand together? And I'm going to pray for you and then the band are going to lead us in a little bit of worship. Father, this morning, I thank You. Lord, we're all on a journey. But Father, I also know that You're calling us to a life that is unlike any other. And I pray in this place, Lord, that we would not be a people that run, that we would not be a people that hide from the work that You want to do. Father, that today we would decide in our hearts that we do not want to stay shallowly shaped, but we want to be deeply formed. That Lord, that we can be a follower of Jesus that is an inspiration to our families, our friends, our relatives. Not perfect, but Father, someone that knows what it is to Embrace Your grace and the work that You want to do in our lives. So Father, in this location, in this faith family, I pray, God, let a deep work of following Christ, a deep work of discipleship, Father, take place in our hearts, we ask. We thank You for it. In the wonderful Name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship Jesus.